Hi there, and welcome to One Body, One Life, proudly sponsored by Jamae's Fine Foods. I'm Vicky Nguyen, and I'm on a personal mission to live to 120, and I would absolutely love to take you on this journey with me. This fortnightly show is focused on longevity and understanding how we can all live longer and stronger through diet, exercise, lifestyle, nutrition, and so on. Each episode, we will uncover tips and tricks to living your healthiest and happiest life for as long as physically possible. I'll be chatting to the experts as well as people who have defied the odds and explore various treatments and modalities to help us all reach optimal wellness. Today I get to speak to Dr. Lottie Valentine, the intuitive physician, evidential psychic medium, medical medium, ancestral healer, and award-winning author. In her practice, Dr. Valentine specializes in integrative medicine using her training in nutrition, IV therapy, botanical medicine, acupuncture, homeopathy, and pharmaceuticals. But all this aside, what I'm really interested in today is how surviving near-death experiences opened up her psychic ability, and I want to understand what spirit guides are and hear how we can honor our soul journey in this lifetime and really tune into our hearts and inner wisdom. This podcast is all about what people can do to live a longer, stronger, happier, healthier life. Um, And I know we can Mm -hmm. so easily delve into the medical side of your life. However, what I really want to focus on today is the spiritual side. And like, for example, you having the two near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences. Can you briefly tell us about that? Yes. Um, so I had two near-death experiences. One was in 1992 and one in 1994. And it was after the birth of my third child. And first of all, this child was born in the middle of two earthquakes. So we had an earthquake of 7.4 and my labors actually stopped because we thought, I literally thought I was going to die. Wow. And then, yeah, it, and then every all the instruments on those, you know how in the hospital they have this metal trays? And all the instruments were just, you know, flopping up and down and hitting those trays. We lost all the power in the hospital. And then my labor stopped. And then um, after about half an hour, and we only had the light of a generator, the my labor kicked on and I gave birth to my daughter. And then we had another earthquake at 7.2. And the reason I'm starting with this story is because I thought I was going to die. So... You know, most of us have had an experience during our life where we think that this may be the moment that you're going to pass to the other side. You might have been in a car accident or some other kind of accident. And the reason I'm telling you this is because it's very different to have that moment when you think you're going to die and and your life flashes before your eyes. So after all this happened in the earthquake and we only had the light of a generator, that was my first hemorrhage. And it was just a mountain of, of blood clots that came out. And they kept me in the hospital for two days and put me on this IV drip to contract the uterus back down. And then I was sent home. And then um, 10 days later, I passed this very large blood clot that was like the size of the head of a newborn baby. And so my wow. husband came home from work and we headed to the ER. And I get to the ER and they do a manual examination. Now, keep in mind, this was 1992. So luckily we do things differently today. But they just did a manual examination and they said, well, there's not much blood coming out right now. And they didn't do any ultrasound. There was no blood work, nothing to check for an infection or anything like that. And then after a couple of hours, they sent me on my way and they said, well, there's not much bleeding right now. So go back home. And then the same thing happened the next day, and it was late in the evening. And my husband called the hospital, and they said, oh, 
I, I yelled to my husband, I said, I'm not going back. This is the bleeding. Stop. They're not going to do anything. And so it was decided that I see my doctor uh, in Huntington Beach the next morning. We lived in the Huntington Beach, California at the time. I see the doctor. The same thing happens again. He does a manual inspection. He says, not much is happening right now. No blood test, no ultrasound, nothing. Send me on my way. I hemorrhage again later, late afternoon. We go back to the ER. And same thing again, manual inspection. Not much is happening right now. And they leave me in this room in the ER and close the door. I have no bell to ring. I'm just lying there on the table. And at some point, I start bleeding again. And I'm thinking, you know, to me, I had bled so many times now that it wasn't a big deal mm. because I didn't understand how serious it was at this yes, point. Yeah. I lost so much blood and I'm lying there. And then I started bleeding and randomly this nurse opens the door to check on me and her jaw just drops to the floor. And she just, you know, wow. that, that, that look of shock on her face. And I hear the call on the loudspeaker, you know, but you and staff to the ER. And after just a minute, maybe a minute, it, was, it came so fast. It was, flying into the room, I completely out of breath, followed by uh, a younger physician, which was probably the resident physician. They do a manual inspection, and he's asked, how much have you been bleeding? He sees all the bloody papers in the wastebasket because the nurse had cleaned up. And they um, do a manual inspection, and as they're doing the manual inspection, another large blood clot comes out. So now this wow. is the fifth time Goodness. I'm hemorrhaging in three days, right? So I have no blood left. And it's at that point that I, I just start feeling like I'm falling. And it's probably my blood pressure dropping as well. Yes. And they tip the table backwards. My head is starting to go towards the floor. My feet go towards the ceiling. And I have a nurse on my left that's trying to get an IV into my arm. I have a nurse on my right that's coating my blood pressure. And I'm thinking, what's taking her so long? How, yes. Why can she get that ID in? Wow. And now, you know, now that I've gone through medical school, it's when you go into shock like that, your veins collapse. And oh. it's very hard to gain access. Wow. And so now if you go to the ER, you know, we were taught in medical school, they've only graduated five years ago, that, you know, as soon as you have somebody that you think is going to go into shock or is bleeding or anything like that, the first thing you do is place an ID. So that you'll have access to the vein in case they go into shock. Now you can inject medication oh, through the ID that's already there. Okay. So that's why many times when you go to the ER, people don't understand why they're getting, you know, a saline solution ID bag. It's just so they have access to your vein. Yes, understand. Right. So yes. they're just giving you some some uh, some water, some body water. So they didn't do that because I guess in 1992 they didn't do that, and um, I feel like I'm just falling like you're. Imagine jumping out of an airplane and just falling to the ground. Yes. And as I'm going through this experience, the nurse on my right is quoting my blood pressure. And at one point she says, in, she yells out into this very panicked voice, 50 over 15 hurry. Wow. And, you know, at 60 over 20, you can't even support a heartbeat anymore. So I'm plummeting below that now. And it is shortly after she yells that, that I know that I'm dying. Wow. And that's, so that's very different from the experience I had when I gave birth, when I thought I was going to die and life flashed before my eyes. And mm. I, you know, I never thought I was going to die this way, right? Now I know I'm dying. And I'm 
crying. So it feels like my soul is separating from my body. Mm. And it's starting to float out of my of my chest and I'm holding on with all my power. And I was a complete atheist at the time. Not that I'm religious now, I'm, I'm spiritual. I don't belong to any specific religion. But at that moment, there was nothing left for me than to pray to God. So I prayed to God to save my life. And I say, you know, please let me live. I have three children under the age of six. They need a mother. Mm. And then shortly after that, I got pulled out of my body. And now I'm floating, you know, a couple of feet above my body. And there is this, um, so my first experience was um, very different from my second. So my first experience, I basically just left my body. And I, I had been knowing that I had access to all information and there was no time in the space that I was in. Mm. You, I could access past, present, and future information. And time was just something I experienced when I'm in this physical plane inside my body. And how we age and, you know, past, you know, last year and next year. That didn't exist when I was outside my body. Mm. But there was also uh, uh, this unconditional peace, unconditional love. But I also knew that I belonged to my body that was down there on the table. And it was it is as if you're driving your car to the grocery store and you get out of your car, you go into the grocery store. You know that's your car yes. and you're going to get back into the car and drive home. Yes. That's the feeling. So my I was outside my body, but I knew I belonged. That was my body down there. Wow, and yeah, so it's it's kind of it's fascinating how we how we exist, right? So my first thought, so I was completely conscious, and my first thought was, how can I be outside my body and still be me? Mm. So that was the first, yeah. So I, you're completely aware. It's just like you're stepping outside your car, you're yes. stepping outside your of your body, but you're still there. But now you have access to all the information and it's, it's just a whole different um, state or feeling. So then they, they saved my life. I was in the hospital for two days and then I was really sick and I can't, I barely have any memories. My daughter was born um, at the end of June and they tell me I was just sleeping. My parents were there from uh, Sweden where I grew up in Europe. And helping with the kids. And I, I know they changed their tickets twice to go back home. And then my mother-in-law came. And it was September before I was strong enough to even sit up and hold the baby and, you know, watch the kids. And then it took until Christmas. It took me six months to be able to leave the house, put the kids in the car, drive five minutes to the grocery store to buy a gallon of milk. And I only mm. did it so I could approve to myself that we get out of the house. Yes, And I had done walking, I would walk one house to the left, one house to the right, and then I'd be exhausted, go back inside and sit down. Wow. Then we all got sick at Christmas, we all got pneumonia, and uh, we didn't have any medical insurance at the time because my husband's company had gotten bought. And we, here in the United States, we have to wait like three months to wait to get your new insurance, unless you pay a really, really high fee for something that's called COBRA which is an in, 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 uh, intermediate kind of insurance between your old insurance and your new insurance. Okay. But, you know, my husband was a sole provider, and he had really good jobs and everything, but to pay that, it was astronomical. We were in our young, you know, early 30s to pay fee for, uh, you know, husband, wife, and three children. So we, I said, no, just, just forget about it. Just, you know, take, take this job, and everything's going to be fine. I'm getting better. Well, then we all got pneumonia and everybody, and you know, the boys, they were six and uh, 
three and a half at the time, and my husband and I, we all got sick. The baby was the only one who was fine. And we were all put on antibiotics. And eight days of antibiotics, everybody was well except me. I was just getting sicker and sicker. Wow. So I went back to the doctor, and then they took my blood test, and they said, came back in the room, and they said, the reason you're so sick is because you have no immune system. Yes. And they said, do you have AIDS or leukemia? And I said, well, I hope neither, because I, I had refused the blood transfusion uh, back when I hemorrhaged. Uh, and the doctor said, well, if I have to give it to you, we're going to give it to you. But if you make blood quickly, then you're not going to feel too good for a while. But the problem was that back in 1992, people who received blood transfusions five years later would find out they had AIDS. Yes. We had no Correct. way of, of checking yeah. the blood back then. Yeah. So I said, okay, let's just play it safe. If I make blood, I was otherwise, you know, young and healthy. I was super healthy um, going into this because I had just studied nutrition. I was a nutritionist at the time. So I, I, everything, I did everything right. I was eating right. So we figured, you know, a couple of months and then I'll be good to go. Mm. Well, so then they said, oh, you have no immune system. And then three months later, I get sicker. I start bruising. I have this huge bruises on my body. I get pneumonia again in May. And it was just a disaster. So I ended up having something called a bone marrow suppression. So okay. my body wasn't making enough white blood cells, red blood cells, or platelets. So I would bruise really easily. My immune system was bad, so I would be sick all the time. And I would be anemic, so I'd be tired. Yes. So, and that lasted for uh, about six, a good six years, and especially the first three. So the first three years, I was really sick, and I, I couldn't stand up long enough to cook, uh, cook a meal for my children. So I had a stool in the kitchen. I would sit on a stool at the stove, to make food for my kids. Mm, wow. And I'm, in my, I'm 34, 35 years old and was in perfect health before this, going into this. Yes. So I constantly have this uh, feeling of the soul wanting to leave my body. And every day I struggled with, struggled with holding on to the soul and just saying, no, we can't leave. We have to stay. We have to stay. Wow. And, you know, and it might be a combination. I always joke that it's a it's a merging problem. The soul did not merge back in correctly. <laughs> it didn't. You know, it's like, so it's like when you lay a puzzle and a puzzle piece sticks out yes. and at the end you have to flatten it. It's that kind of feeling. So I, my soul is this puzzle piece that's sort of sticking out from my body, and I'm constantly Bring patting it, it to put it back down. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it was. I had yeah. I had that feeling for a long time, and I would put my knee on the floor and to tie my children's shoes, I would get a bruise on my knee just wow. from having my knee touch the floor. Goodness. So my platelet count was very low. Yes. And um, so anyway, so all this was going on and I would wake up at night and, uh, you know, feel like my soul is going to leave and I'm saying, no, I can't leave. And I'm, you know, pull my legs up, take my head off the pillow, do all these things. And then, so this is how my second near-death experience happened. And for a long time, I struggled with, well, I, I don't know if it's a near-death experience. How can I prove it's a near-death experience? I wasn't in the ER or there wasn't a doctor around to tell me so. You know, is it a spiritually transformative experience or a near-death experience? Mm. You know, and then finally I came to terms with it. And I said, well, it really doesn't matter what you call it. Because yes. the only thing that matters in the end is the experience that you had right. and how it changed you, yes. right? And so that's what I talk a lot about in my book because, People have spiritual experiences all the time, and sometimes they're afraid of sharing them uh, because they think that you know people are going to think they're they're crazy or you know they're they're not sane. 
And I, I thought that when I had my first near-death experience in the hospital, and the nurse the next morning asked me, did anything unusual happen in, yesterday in the ER? And I just looked at her and I said, nope, nope, nothing at all. Because I was so afraid that she was going to think I was crazy and they were going to lock me up in the mental yes. ward in the hospital. Because I did not believe in anything. I didn't believe in angels. I didn't believe in uh, the spirit world. I thought, you die, that's it, it's black, you're gone. I had a very scientific and materialistic world view. And, you know, I started having these experiences even the day after my first near-death experience. I heard my sister-in-law, who had passed away about a week and a half uh, earlier, and I knew she was in the left corner of, my, of the ceiling in my hospital room. And she said, everything's going to be okay. And I'm thinking, okay, this is it. I am going crazy. Yesterday, I thought I left my body. Today, I think I'm hearing my sister-in-law. And I didn't believe in any of these things. So it was it was like a shock to my system mm. to have these experiences. Because yes. I, didn't, I didn't believe in any of it. So here I am, you know, two years later, and I'm struggling to keep my soul in my body. So again, I wake up at night and I have this feeling, oh my gosh, you know, the soul is trying to leave. You can't leave. Hold on to the soul. Goodness. But there was nothing I could do. It's just, just like in the ER because one second you're inside your body, but then the next second you're outside. And mm. it's just, you can't, it goes so fast that it, it's like a split second mm. that you're inside and then the next second you're outside. Uh, you know, there's no pain or anything like that. You're just, one second you're there and the next second you're outside. So it's, it's not any different than stepping out of your car. You know what I'm saying? It's just, there is no pain or anything like that. So I, I get pulled out of my body and I just, this time I just tumbled through this darkness. And I, it's almost like, um, you know, there's no, there's no tunnel. You always hear about the tunnel, but actually very few people see the tunnel of light. Mm. <laughs> Most people just have a different experience. That's the, the media and television that has, you know, use the, the tunnel of light. And so that's how people tend to recognize the near-death experiences. Yes. So I just tumble through darkness, and then I end up at this place that I call the mid-station, okay. only because there is, an, there is an awareness that there you could go higher, but you could also go lower. Oh, wow. So imagine, yeah, stepping into um, to a tall skyscraper that has 100 floors, and yes. you push the elevator button, on floor 50, and then you get off at floor 50, you know that there's floors above you, and you know that there's floors below you, mm. even though you can't, you're not physically there. So that was the feeling that I was, a, there was an awareness that you could go higher and you could be lower. And I call it the bouncing station only because I got sent back. So okay. It's like you get to this place and you're not supposed to go to heaven yet. So they, you know, they give you, they tell you what they need to tell you, and then you get sent back. Okay. So I get I get to this place and I hear the most beautiful music that you could ever imagine, and it is more beautiful than any music you've ever heard in the on the earth plane. Mm. And I'm looking around to figure out where is this music coming from. So I look to my right, I see a log cabin, and I'm thinking it's the music's got to be coming from this log cabin. And I always laugh at you know what we see. Some people see you know, fields of flowers and beautiful mountains or they see their mom and dad or whatever. I see a log cabin. <laughs> I open the door to this log cabin and it's just empty. So then I turn my body, which is 
I'm, it's, I'm just in spirit form. It's not, I'm not in my body, but I'm still rotating through space. And I'm looking to the left and I see the same log cabin, but to my left now, like a mirror image of the other one. And I look inside and it's empty. But then as I'm perplexed about where is this music coming from, there is this growing white light that comes from behind me. So it's like standing, um, you know, in a spotlight that, you know, a big spotlight at a concert or uh, like an automobile, mm. um, you know, things like a really yeah. bright spotlight. And it's coming from the back of me. And I, I'm ro- rotating around into this spotlight and just get covered in this most, beautiful magnificent bright white light mm. but as i'm looking into into this light there is an outline of angels wow and the music is coming from the angels Gorgeous. now i did not believe in angels right so i'm seeing something i did not believe in which is interesting in itself so but this white light is a knowing that you are with divine source mm. and you can call it God. You can call it divine source or whatever you want to call it. But there's a knowing that we, ca- we are part of this white light. We come from this bright white light and we return to this bright white light. Gorgeous. And this, this bright white light is just pure, unconditional love. Mm. And so I'm just enveloped in this you know, magnificent bright white light with seeing the outline of angels and this incredible music. And as I'm in this light, I become aware of two uh, spirit guides. I call them spirit guides because they sort of, they guided me. The one on the right is communicating telepathically with the other spirit guide and says, what is she doing here? She can't be here. She has to go back. Mm. And I say, no, 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 wait a second. I'm not going back. How can I be outside my body <laughs> and yes. still be me, right? I'm still perplexed and I'm still me. I'm still in my scientific mode of how can this happen? How can I have this experience? Why am I seeing angels and music and light, right? And the other spirit guy says, well, if I told you, you won't remember. Mm. So there's, you know, and I've heard other stories, people tell similar things now that they're saying, uh, they were told that they weren't going to remember. So it's some kind of control mechanism that they sort of um, have the ability to let you remember certain things, but not others. Okay. And so then, so then it's, he says, but you will remember this. And then it's like a, images sort of just appear, you know, it's just ma- like magical, like a movie screen appears in front of you. And it is as if I'm standing on the moon now and I'm looking down on the earth through outer space. Wow. But around, yeah, around the earth, there is what I called back then in, in, 1990, in 1994, a silvery, glittery fishnet because it was this diamond-shaped net, or now we okay. refer to it as the grid. Yes. Now that we have internet. Back in back then, we didn't have internet, so we yes. couldn't Google these things. Yeah. And, and to me, it looked like a fishnet because I grew up in Northern Europe in Sweden, and I would lay fishnets in the ocean with my grandmother. Okay. And when she lit, she lifted up these fishnets in the early morning sun, they would sort of glitter and sparkle in the sunlight. Yes. And he said, everything on earth is connected to each other. Mm. But everything on earth is connected up to this grid. 
Okay. And with that information, I get sent back. Wow. So my whole life has, you know, this happened, you know, uh, 28 and 30 years ago now. And it literally took me a quarter of a century to really start to understanding the impact and how we as humans fit into this whole universe, not just the earth mm. and how we are, you know, part of the, we are part of the earth and we are connected to each other as humans, but we're also connected to plants and we're connected to the animals and we truly are resonating and it's training and synchronizing with all that is. And part of that we do through our heart because we have an electromagnetic field around our heart mm. and that synchronizes and trains with everything else. And, you know, our emotions and all of that, we, we line up with other people. Incredible. So my whole life since then has sort of, um, you know, been guided by this experience. Mm. So the whole trajectory of your life thereafter, I guess, was never the same, really. Right. No, of course not. So every everything changed because, you know, I was a complete uh, materialistic worldview scientist. And now I work with the spirit world. Um, you know, so now I'm, I was guided then by the spirit because for 20, a good 12 years. Um, so for the 12 years after these experiences, I would constantly get messages. I would have loved ones uh, pop in that had passed away to tell me they passed away. And you know, start seeing things before they happened. Uh, I thought we were going to be in an accident. And so this an intuitive uh, clairvoyance, clairaudience gradually kept increasing. And I wanted proof. So they had to give me a lot of examples mm. because every time I would just, something like that would happen, I would just say, oh, it's just a coincidence. Yes. It can't, it can't be. And so it took me a really long time to integrate it and really learn Every time when you get a message from the spirit world, there's nothing I can do to change it. Yes. And I just have to trust it. Interesting. Because that's how it is. Yeah. And so now I work with the spirit world. So now I, you know, I work as a medium. I'm a psychic, psychic evidential medium. And I trained at uh, Arthur Finley College in England, which is the world renowned college for psychic uh, science and development of mediums around the world. Wow. How interesting. So I trained. Yeah, so I trained there. So now I split my time. I work as a physician uh, two or three days a week, and I work spiritually with people um, two or three days a week. So I work as a medical intuitive because I, I just see things. I just know things about uh, people. You know, they show up on my screen, and I'll say, you know, I know this is what you have. And they just stare at me. How did you know I had that? Yes. I, said, I don't know. I just, my spirit guides just tell me. It's incredible. Um, so many times, um, yeah, so I work as a medical intuitive a lot with people from all around the world. I have a lot of, worked with a lot of people in Australia and Europe, United States, Canada. And also I do uh, mediumship readings and psychic readings. And those sessions I call wholehearted sessions uh, because we go, you know, all around. Sometimes, many times it's a combination of uh, people are at a crossroad in their life and they're trying to figure out what to do, you know, I don't know, my kids have grown up now, or they're almost grown up, and I want to go back, but I don't want to do what I used to do, mm. and do you have any insight, and, you know, I'll say, well, I see this, and this, and this, and you, you know, is this true, Interesting. and then, you know, that things just come to that. You sound like the ideal doctor to see, because half the time, half the battle is 
trying to decipher what the condition is a person is suffering from, right? It's through you know, the diagnosis. Yeah. Can <laughs> quite a tedious pro- process. But if you've got the spiritual side and the clairvoyant side as well, it's like <laughs> you've got you've got an advantage there. Yeah, and yes, it is really interesting, you know, because you'll get, you know, this is my life path. This is what, why, I, now I understand why I had to have these experiences yes. because I couldn't just be a regular doctor because mm. I had to have this spiritual side to it. But it's interesting how many people are misdiagnosed or just struggling with different types of conditions all around the world, right? So, and it's, I love to help these people because I can work with them on my uh, spiritual side. So it doesn't matter what country you live in. And, you know, we can talk about, you know, tell me, you know, what's going on. And they'll say, well, you know, they did an MRI. They did an ultrasound. They did all these different tests. They say nothing is wrong with me. And I said, well, they're wrong. Mm, (laughs) This is what you have. And this, the thing is that the thing, it would always be something weird. The thing that you have doesn't show up with an MRI ultrasound. But the, the problem is, that we think that doctors know everything. Mm. And after going through medical school, I realized how little doctors know. Absolutely. Right? We, yeah. right? And we, we, medicine is really an art, but people think it's a science. You go to the doctor, they tell you what's wrong, they fix it, they give you a prescription, they give you something. But many times, people, doctors don't even know what it is. We don't have the correct training. Uh, because when you go through medical school, we are trained as general practitioners. And then if you're going to work with cancer, then you become an oncologist. If you work with skin, you become a dermatologist. Yes, if yes. you work with kidneys, you become a nephrologist, right? And so we have all these specialties. Now, each of these doctors that have a specialty, so you go to the kidney doctor and the kidney doctor says, well, there's nothing wrong with you. You go to the next doctor and he says, there's nothing wrong with you, yeah. right? Because each of them just look at their tiny part of the That's body right. that they know. Yeah. And and sometimes it's more complex than, than that, or people will have conditions that are, um, you know, more chronic and they're not typical. It doesn't, you don't have one of these 20 conditions that most people have. You have one of the other five that usually we don't have any tests for yet. There has mm. been no research done on these, but people think that, you know, they go to the doctor, they should get an answer. But many times on many diseases, uh, you know, if there's no money in the, in, in making money on um, the disease, if the disease is unusual, and let's say only 5% of the population gets this disease, no pharmaceutical company is going to spend money doing research yes. because there's no profit for them. Of course. Right. So there's no profit in creating a medicine or a drug for that. So, and we don't get the research for it. Yes. So, and that's that's common with these people that you know end up on end up in my sessions. They have sometimes you know sought medical uh, care for many years, and they're told that there's nothing wrong with you. Mm. And then, yeah, sometimes there'll be some condition that, of course, I know about, and that's why they were guided to have a session with me because the spirit world is like, go have a session with her. She knows what it is, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah. And but it's. It's like that. We are guided, but it's a matter of listening to that. And I talk a lot about that in my book. Um, my book is called Med School After Menopause, The Journey yes. on My Soul. Yeah. And it's, it's not about med school. It is about going to medical school and that you can change your life at any point 
during your life. So I was mm. 54 when I started medical school. Yes. So if I can do it, so can so can anybody out there listening to this podcast. If Absolutely. you're thinking of changing your life, uh, baby steps, you know, read my book and it's figure out late, you know, right? how to make that transition. Exactly. What? It's never too late. Yeah. yeah. It's never too late to change your life. And I, I take them through um, you know, a journey through my book of my own life and how, and then I have little messages at the end of each chapter to help people incorporate uh, this knowledge that, you know, everything I learned from my near-death experiences of how to live life and how I see life to help other people uh, live their life to their fullest potential mm. and know that everybody has intuitive abilities. Everybody has psychic abilities, mediumistic abilities. You know, some everybody's not going to work as a medium, but we all have these capacities within us. Yeah. And it's a matter of learning that. Mm. But there seems to be a common theme with people who do possess mediumship or spiritual psychic gifts that they've either had a near-death experience or a shocking experience like that. But what is it that happens that you think during what opens that up, that that gift up during that experience? You know, I think it's just different for each people. So when I have been to Arthur Sinza College in England many times, and my teachers, many of my teachers over there, when they read me, say, oh, you were born medium. And in the beginning, yes. I would say, you know, my scientific self would be, no, I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> you know, challenging my teacher. And and they would say, no, yes, you were, because blah, 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 blah. You, do, do you remember this instance from your childhood or something? And I would say, oh, my gosh, yes, you're right. I, oh, I did see okay. four us around my dad. I did see... And then I suppressed it growing up. I, I had sort of, I know, I'd forgotten it, but it was always there. And so okay, it was, so it was always just there. And then I had to, yeah, and then I had to awaken that ability. And it got, it was, a, you know, it woke up with the near-death experiences. Mm. And it transformed me. And I think, I think we all just incarnate for, in our life to a certain degree. Let yes. me take, you know, ticket 36 and 400 and and 53 I want to I want to learn these different things and and have my soul grow in this way in this next life because we know we all we all incarnate and uh you know they've done lots of research on that um with children who are memories from past life Mm. so we know we know it is it's become a science that we do a reincarnate because we have proof of that from so much research done Mm, interesting so you're obviously no longer an atheist I take it yeah. No. So, <laughs> yeah. So I can't. I, I'm not religious. I can't. I can't make myself fit into any religion because yes. religions are too limited. Because the divine source is greater than any religion. It's. Uh, it's the religions themselves are limiting because. Well, it's a business side of it, isn't it? Really. Wrote that. Yes. Yeah. Somebody yeah. wrote that. Somebody decided what what gets to be included exactly. in the different religions. And they were mostly men. Yes, yes. <laughs> so there is, you know, we have that going for us as, as women, that a lot of those religions were written by men, mm. if not all of them. I have never really studied religion, but we do know that. And it's, I feel that religions were created to help people become better people. Mm. And there's yes. time and place for that. And yeah. religions still do that. And it's, creates, uh, you know, a group of, you know, bonding and uh, people go to church and they meet other like-minded people and 
they do good in the world and they contribute to society. So, you know, they do good things. It's just for me, it's too narrow because for me, having had this experience, it's, it's, it's greater than that. Mm. I'm very spiritual. I, I believe in divine source or God or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we are creatures of the universe and we are, we are all connected. We're all one. Yes. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So what is it? So you, after these experiences, you became clairvoyant, clairaudient, is that right? And clairsentient. Mm-hmm. How do you say that? Mm-hmm. Sentient. Yeah, clairsentient. Mm-hmm. So tell us about what's the difference with those three and what are spirit guides? Yeah, so clair, So when you're clairvoyant, so when I work with people, I usually see images. Most of my information comes via images okay. and so that's clairvoyant yes and clairaudience is when you hear things Understand. and sometimes i'll hear um sometimes when i work with people i'll hear a, a diagnosis code then i'll tell the person that you know working as a medical intuitive i'll say uh, my spirit guide's telling me this diagnosis this this is the disease you have okay and has anybody ever told you you have this and that they say no, nobody has ever mentioned that. Or yes, some some doctor told me that maybe I have that five years ago, right? And then I'd say, okay, well, with this disease comes these symptoms. Do you have mm. any of these symptoms? Yes. And then they say, yes, I have every single one. I say, wow. well, then that's it. Yes. So, you know, so that's, so then many times I'll hear, so that's their audience. And then clairsentient is when you feel things. So uh, sometimes when I scan people, I, I feel things in my body mm. or when I work as a medium, many times I have, when I work as a medium, ask, how did you pass? And then I'll have pain in my chest or if I have like a pain in my breast, I know they had breast cancer. And so sometimes I feel it in my body or I wow. feel where the client has blockages. Yes. So I'll say, you know, I'm feeling like there's something in like in your stomach, your digestion is really off and you have you have problems with digestion and heartburn and bloating and all of those things. And there's, you know, yes. <laughs> so yeah. sometimes I'll feel it. Sometimes I'll hear it. And uh, I would say 80 or 90 percent, I see images. I'm given images uh, to interpret those. Interesting. And what are spirit guides? So spirit, we all have spirit guides. Okay. Every single one of us has spirit guides. <laughs> Yeah. And we have more than one, you know, but so this is so funny to me because I went through, you know, first half of my life, not understanding I had spirit guides with me the whole time and they're there to help you. And so if you, uh, you know, you're trying to solve a problem, you're, you need help with something, ask your spirit guide, you know, just lie down on your bed and you go to bed at night and say, hello, spirit guides. You know, you can just say telepathically in your head. I know you're out there. I can't hear you. And I don't know if you're there. But I need help. Mm. So if you could help me, you know, with this or, you know, help me, you know, create healing for my headache. I've had a headache all day. Can you please help relieve my headache? So you can ask your guide for help. But, you know, you have to ask them in order for you to get help. You have to ask for help mm. there because we have free will in, in this dimension. And so they will not interfere unless you ask for yes. help. Yeah. But we all we all have this spirit guide. Sometimes it's, uh, it's a relative. Uh, you know, or, you know, some a relative, a, a parent, or a grandmother, and sometimes it's the spirit guides that come in uh, and help you with certain things because they're really good at it. So mm. when I was writing my book, I uh, I had been to was it right before I was doing an outline for so the first time I was there, second time, yes, yeah, so this is probably my second time there, and 
Yeah, it was right in the middle of writing the book. So it must have been the second or third time that I've been to college. And a teacher, I had a reading with one of my teachers, and she said, oh, you have, you're, you're writing a book, and there's somebody that's helping you with that. Hmm. And I said, yes. And I knew, but I, I wasn't developed enough yet. I knew that there was somebody there that was helping me, and I was communicating with that spirit, but I didn't know who it was. I could not, I, I did, had not learned how to uh you know, identify them or connect with them or have communication directly with them. When I needed to, I would just sort of get messages, you know, dropping in on me. And I didn't know who it was in the beginning. And I said, yes, there is somebody that's helping me. And I didn't know who it was. And she said, oh, this man is a man. And he died. He was too young when he died. And it was very sudden. And uh, he worked, he was a uh, he had a degree in English. He was, you know, he wanted to be an English professor or something. And I said, I know exactly who that is. That is my brother-in-law. Wow. And I didn't know. And he had, uh, he was an uh, English major in college. And he died in a car accident in his 40s. And so I, right away, I then knew that it was him that was helping me with my book. And he was the one. I said, what am I supposed to write about? And then the, the spirit would just come in and say, write about blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay. And then I would start writing. And then the next day I would say, what am I supposed to write about? You write about this. Okay. Like, what is it that I'm supposed to teach the people? Because that was messages that came in. You have to write a book. Uh, you are to write two books, no way three was the message. And that is a message I've received uh, from four different professional mediums. And after I received it myself back in 2004. So, yeah, so it's been uh, quite, quite a journey. But it is, you know, we all have this ability mm-hmm. within us and we can all uh, learn to tune into that we are intuitive creatures it's just a matter of not saying it was a coincidence write it down write it down on the pad write it down on your phone because then later you can go back and say uh, it wasn't a deja vu yes right yeah. right because when it happens you sometimes think oh maybe it was just a deja vu maybe i didn't think this yesterday or right or, you, you know, when you pick up your phone and you dial your friend or your brother or mother or sister, and they're dialing you at the exact same time. Yes. Right? Right. So there, there's that connection. But we have a tendency to, um, you know, explain it away as co- coincidences. But there are, um, I think, is it um, Israel or there's some language. I think it's uh, Israel that, that they don't have a word for coincidence. Because they don't believe in it. Oh, they don't believe there are there any coincidences. Go. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, you know what's just happened in the studio? I don't know if this has got anything to do with spirit, but the light's just gone out. <laughs> <laughs> and I've have been told before that lights are sensitive to spirit, yeah. aren't they? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they are. They tend to, yeah, turn them on, turn them off, or make them flicker, <laughs> break the, the connection. Is, yeah, I always feel this. Back to the spirit guides, I always feel spirit around me, and I always feel like I've been very well looked after. And um, I often mm-hmm. ask for car parks. So I always ask the spirit guides to help me find a very convenient car park when I'm in, driving the city or wherever I'm going. And I always <laughs> get like a VIP car park right out the front of where I need to go. <laughs> So. Yes, because they're right there. They're helping you. <laughs> they they're are. like, oh, no, go over there. Yes. First row. Yeah. Spot, just for you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. it's amazing. It's incredible. But yeah, I do, I, I resonate, this all resonates very well with me because I lost two best friends as well um, at 36 and 37. And I've always felt their presence around me amongst, uh, along with, you know, deceased relatives as well. But it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell us, so your book, so you won um, first place in the category of spiritual leadership in August 2021 for um, your book from Living yeah. Now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yes, I, I won uh, the gold medal in the spiritual leadership category um, from Living Now Book Awards. And yeah, and it's uh, it's an award that recognizes uh, books that contribute to positive global change. Amazing. So yeah, which are like truly world changing books that uh, that contribute to positive global change. So it's an honor to to you know win an award like yes, that. Yes, incredible. And so, it's available. My book, yeah, my book is available on uh, Amazon. Uh, it should be worldwide, and it's available in print and uh, as an ebook as well as an audio book. So if you just look on the different platforms. Fantastic. You should be able to find it. That's yeah. amazing. So you now divide your time between working as a physician and working as a medical intuitive as well as an ancestral healer. What is ancestral healing? So ancestral healing is something I actually trained in uh, after I graduated, but it's become a merging of when I work. It's a, it's a form of counseling, constellation therapy, ancestral healing. Uh, so I actually studied that type of counseling. But now that I work with it, it becomes I merge it with my mediumship skills uh, as well as shamanic um, tools in order to help people create healing for that. Mm. And when you when you look at if you look at it in the in the sense of counseling or psychotherapy, kind of you know uh, more Western <laughs> the way of looking at it in the Western medicine world, then they have done research, and I would say that some of the best evidence yet for the inheritance of memories and, and traits across generations was from a study that was called Epigenetic Inheritance mm. of Ancestral yes. Odor Fear Conditioning yep. that was done back in 2013. And they now know that we, in, you know, how everybody knows that we inherit traits of hair color, eye color, you know, different kinds of diseases. You have that gene or that gene. But we also know now that we inherit trauma experienced mm, yes, by our ancestors yes so there's actually they found specific genes so the fkbp5 gene and some other genes that actually transmit uh tra- traumatic experiences so if your grandfather fought in the war and then he survived and then he had kids and then you know now your dad is what that child from your grandfather mm. and now you're the daughter and let's say you have uh every time you hear a siren you have anxiety or a panic attack. Yes, yes. But this granddaughter has never had a traumatic event yes, that yes. was could have been coming passed down the line from the grandfather mm. because every time he heard the air sirens go off, he thought he was going to die. That's incredible. Yeah, I'm gonna, this is the day I'm going to die. And so he flipped his genetic markers, and every time you hear the siren, you know you, you have a panic attack. Mm. You think, oh my gosh, this is it. And so it can be these kinds of traits can be passed down, and so people. Uh, you know, have different kinds of uh, issues. It could be emotional panic attack, anxiety attack, uh, but it could be other things too. It could be relationship mm. problems. Yes. It could be almost anything. And when you look at it and work with that, so I, I work with that also in on my spiritual side. So people can sign up in the first session for ancestral healing. And many times people sign up for medical intuitive, which then becomes ancestral healing. Yes. Because we just go, it doesn't really matter so much. The, the costs of my sessions are all the same. Yes. And so sometimes, you know, we start as a medical intuitive and then after 20 minutes, this is ancestral. You know, mm. I just get from my spirit world and what they're saying with the training I have and the spirit world together. And it, I it start, there are times when the reason I got into ancestral healing was because I did about four uh, mediumship readings in a row and it's a couple of years ago and each of them were traumatic 
experiences. And I would see, you know, the grandmother or the grandfather. And it was the, the readings were very similar. And there were, you know, I said, oh, your your grandmother, your grandmother is here. And she's telling me that she had a hard life and your grandfather was physically abusive. And he hit your grandmother and mm. he hit the children. One of those children was your mother. And I said, is that correct? And they said, yes. And I said, then your mother married your father, but he was just like her father. He was also abusive. And so your father was abusive towards your mother mm. and he was abusive towards you. Wow. And so that's how it started. I had several readings like that. And then so that's what led me to uh, actually study, uh, you know, this form of counseling yeah. so that I could sort of dissect it. Because I was like, what is it with getting all these readings? And they're, they're so similar. And why am I seeing all this abuse all of a sudden? And then so that's how I got into it. But it's amazing how many times these, um, these issues that you can heal them. Because once you once you understand and see where these um uh, traumas or issues are unhealed. Um, anything that's unhealed, you know, by your ancestors, yes, yeah, it's it, somehow going to come back, and yes. then you have to heal it. Exactly, mm-hmm. but or it's you repeat like it. We all need to have an ancestral healing at some point in our lives. <laughs> yes, yes, it should be just it is, like it is. Absolutely, yeah, know, mandatory. I agree. <laughs> you reach yes, twenty one or twenty or whatever. Because yes. it's going to present people, itself, right, <laughs> at some point. Yes. Yes, because I said that ticket that was in your grandma's bucket, and then it was in your grand, and then it was in your, it was in your mom's bucket. Your mom didn't resolve the issue, and yes. so now you, that ticket is in your bucket. Yes, and here's exactly. your chance. And you were guided to come see me, and then now we can, you know, work and resolving this and create healing for that. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's fast. I love that. I, I just it's so fascinating and it's so rewarding so to yeah. create healing. Because it can be not just, uh, you know, emotional uh, problems or relationship problems. It can also be physical problems. I've seen people get the exact same disease even that their mother got at the exact same age. Yes, It's fascinating. It's like the ancestral clock that just repeats itself in the next generation. Correct. Unresolved gets passed down. So, you know, if you were at the dinner table as a child and said, you know, why do we never talk about, you know, Uncle Bobby? And your mom says, we don't talk about Uncle Bobby and that's it. And you don't know anything about Uncle Bobby. That is probably going to be in somebody's bucket because that Uncle Bobby did something. Yes, <laughs> yes. It was, you know, anything that's swept under the rug yes. and never talked about, never healed, that's what's going to come back. Yeah, And it's, it's unhealed. That is, it's in somebody's bucket. Totally. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. And so can anyone become a, a psychic or a medium? I think that we all have, you know, we all have psychic and mediumistic and intuitive abilities. Mm. And I think that everybody can develop it. You know, everybody is not going to be, you know, a big famous medium or work as a medium. But I think that everybody can, you know, develop their their skills and become more intuitive and more mediumistic. I think we can all get messages, you know, from our loved ones in the spirit world if we just tune in. Mm. Yes. You know, you might not, you might not be the person who's going to sit down and do a reading for somebody else, but you might be the person who, yes, I'm going to tune in. Oh, I I know my grandmother was here this morning. I know my grandma told me that my car keys are in the top drawer or in my backpack or, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like people have this ability to tune in. I think most of us do that if we just give it a chance. 
Yeah, absolutely. Actually, my younger sister has got the ability um, and she speaks to spirit, I guess, and helped my grandmother when she was passing away to pass over into the next world. And um, mm-hmm. it was quite a beautiful experience for my mum to experience as well. Um, but yeah, it's just incredible how, you know, so many people go through this life not believing in spirit or not having firsthand experience. Or, it, But like you say, I guess it's just being open to it and having the time and space to, to I guess, welcome yeah. it into your world in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I know myself before my my first near-death experience at 34 and then my, my second at 36, I did not believe in any of this. Mm. If somebody had told me, I would have said, oh, they're yeah they're, they're yeah they're they're, they're thinking <laughs> they can talk to spirit they're, they've lost it yes right? yes because i didn't believe in i didn't believe you could and there wasn't my perception of yeah. my reality was so different but now that i've been to the other side and you know we can i understand i can communicate with the spirit world it's very different my yes. existence you know from my perception of of who i am in this world is very different mm. so i understand people who who say Oh, it's, you know, you can't talk to spirit world. That's just baloney. Mm. I understand. I was one of those people. Exactly. I used to be one of those people. Yeah, that's right. And you've got your own podcast as well, Science with Soul. Yeah, so I have my own podcast. It's called Dr. Lottie Science with Soul, and I interview a lot of different types of people to help other people find healing in their life. I interview, uh, you know, different mediums from around the world, um, shamans, uh, different types of physicians healers, acupuncturists, anybody who can bring a different perspective uh, to help people heal mm. anywhere in the world Beautiful. by bringing information. Yeah, because it's, many times people don't know what type of treatment to seek mm-hmm. or they don't even know some of these doctors exist or some of these, exactly. you know, they just go to their regular doctor and uh, they don't even know the, the difference between a neurologist and a functional neurologist or you know, a regular physical therapist or um, somebody who specializes in, um, you know, uh, gynecological issues and UTIs and things like that. So there are many different uh, treatment modalities that I try to expose people to as well, just to help Mm. them find uh, healing, you know, for their own life. Yes. Interesting. And people who have had near-death experiences and are just fascinating people. Uh, it's, you know, my podcast is very varied. Anybody who can uh, help bring some kind of healing, uh, spirituality, or uh, open, grow people's consciousness, open people's minds up, uh, change the perspective. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. So is it true that people come into this, this world with a contract? Um, I think that we do have some form of contract okay. when we come in. Um, I think there are certain things that are supposed to happen in life because whenever I have seen things for the past, you know, 28, 30 years now, I can never change it. And it doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't matter what I do. If I get a message that, you know, a relative is going to pass away or we're going to be in a car accident, it doesn't matter what it is. I can't change it. Yeah. If I get the message, that is what's going to happen. And so that's why also, I, I feel that there is, there are certain things that are going to happen. I think we have a time stamp on our forehead, so to speak. Yes. You, you know, some people talk about that I've had near-death experiences, that we have a couple of outs in our life. And they say, I was told I have three outs in my life. Oh, wow. And this is one of them. <laughs> and if I wanted to stay in heaven, I could. But then they showed me all the great and fun things that are going to happen. 
So I decided to go back. You know, and then some of us, there's no choice. They're just, no, you're going back. And yes. that's it. There's no choice. Yeah. I wasn't given a choice. So for me, I feel like I don't I don't have three outs or choices. I have one out and I have a time stamp. But, you know, mm. this date, at this second, that's it. I'm going to go to the other side. Yeah. So I think it's just, um, you know, I think it's different. We have different life. We obviously have different life paths, different things to learn. Mm. Everybody has their own unique life path. And I talk a lot about that in my book too. Everybody has a reason why they're here. Mm. You know, many times I work with people and they say, I'm not good at anything specific and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I said, everybody has. Yes. Everybody has a unique gift. And we have to, we have to tune into that true essence of who you are, you know, as your core. And, um, you know, I worked with somebody this morning and I said, you know, you're, uh, you're very organized, you're, you get things done, people listen to you, you have charisma, you're, you can't work for anybody else. If you worked in an office or something, you would have to be the manager because you're very organized and you, people listen to you when you give orders, but you also have this great creative side. And there's something about what you're doing next has to do with, you have to incorporate that creative side. And of course, then it came out, everything you know, I was right on spot. Yeah, I used to be working in, you know, advertising and sales. And, you know, I used to do all these de- decoration and change houses and all that creativeness. And I said, yeah, now is the time to incorporate the things that you've done in the past, but you have to create something new that's just for you. Mm. So, you know, it's interesting when, you know, these things just come out and we all have, we all have this unique thing, yes. abilities. And everything that we've done up to this point in our life, it's not that, you know, it was a waste of time. It all comes in handy. It, it was all these stepping stones yes. that you had to go through in order to gain all the knowledge that you now need 10 yes, years later. Yes, yes. Because now you're ready to do something maybe that you actually incarnated be for. Yeah, exactly. So I felt like, you know, I call it the berry picking part. I talk about it in my book. We, we go around the world, you know, and we pick berries and we, we put some blueberries in the basket and we put some raspberries in. We put some strawberries in and we just go through the life yes. and doing all this berry picking. And then someday we finally have enough berries mm. that we can make jam out of it. Exactly. And that's, you know, now you've collected all your different skill sets that you need to do what you came to do. Yeah. And I guess that's but sometimes why sometimes that through. doesn't happen until later. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, exactly. And that's why we go through hardships and have all these lessons, right? That's we're all we're oh, collecting yeah, what we need, all the skill, the life skills. Yeah. And there's, you know, we go through, you know, dark periods and, and easy periods. If we sat on the beach in Hawaii drinking pina coladas all day long, we would never <laughs> learn anything. Yes, we would never yes. grow. Yeah. It is through the hardships that we grow. It is through the darkness sure. that, you know, uh, new life evolves and things transition and there's birth of new things. And they come from these hard hardship periods. Mm, exactly. And that's why life is a that's why life is a roller coaster. There's it's never gonna be an easy street. Mm. And people who, you know, think that other people have it easier, they just don't know the truth of exactly. their life. That's right. Right. They, they they struggle too, but they struggle with things that you can't see on the surface. For sure. And so what is the meaning of life then? Is it is it to share your essence, your purpose, like your is that the meaning? I think the me well the meaning of life is to to grow your soul to grow your consciousness uh, to learn to love unconditionally mm-hmm. 
because that's really everything here, everything on earth is based on the unconditional love. And that's something we definitely need more of in the world today. Mm, and exactly. we're, you know, we're going through this, this period for the next, you know, we've entered the, the period of the eagle and the condor where we are learning to merge, uh, you know, with the uh, aborigines of the earth, the traditional people that have the skill set that we need to, to live with the earth, but using modern technology to save the earth. Right mm-hmm. at the same time, yes, and so it's that merging of the Western world with uh, you know the the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere. Yes, uh, has to merge, and we all have to work together uh, in order to save, uh, literally, to save the earth and to save ourselves. Mm. And we have to be open minded and understanding. And it it all is based on the unconditional love that we are all just human. Yes, and it doesn't matter what country you live in, what color exactly. your skin is, or what your political views are your sexual orientation we are all humans we are all one and we're all connected and that is something uh that resonates very strongly with me from my near-death experiences yes yes and is that your message for the audience today about that connect that the fact that we're all connected uh i would say well so my book my book ends with that we are all connected we are all, all one and it is all divine, mm. and so are you. Oh, gorgeous. And finally, one last question for you, just to finish yeah. off, because this podcast is all about how to live longer, stronger, happier, healthier. What are your top three tips? Even though you've been to the other side and it's not, it's, it's quite beautiful, um, I guess, yeah, my personal mission is to live to 120. So what are your top three tips to living to 120? I would say... Love yourself unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, treat your body as a temple. Mm-hmm. I say the third one would be, you know, when you treat treat your body as a temple, meaning take care of it in all ways. Yes. Uh, you know, meditate, meditate, uh, rest. Um, you know, be, be kind to your body, be kind yes. to yourself. Yeah. And uh, you know, eat. I would say the third thing would be to eat healthy foods and yes uh you know feed it your, your body is wants to be nourished yeah. it doesn't want to be fed uh junk food and, and sugar and things like that it wants uh nourishing foods that comes from the earth yes exactly you know organic organic clean healthy food gorgeous and how can people work with you uh, yeah, so I have two websites. The one is drlottie.com, D-R-L-O-T-T-E.com. Mm-hmm. And the two websites are connected. You can go back and forth uh, between them. So if you only remember one, that's fine. And to schedule spiritual sessions with me, like medical intuitive, ancestral healing, mediumship, psychic reading, you go to divinespiritualessence.com. So D-I-V-I-N-E, divine spiritualessence.com. Or if you go to drlottie.com, you can click on uh, the menu and it says work with Dr. Lottie spiritually. And then you click over to divine spiritual essence. But on that website, you can, um, there's a calendar. You can just find a time that works in your, you know, you set your time zone. So if you're in Australia, you set the time zone as Australia and then the times will show up in your time zone. And if for any reason, um, I try to set my time so that I can work with people. I work with people many times in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, 
and as well as Europe. So I try to set my time so that they fit. Because um, the United States are always going to fit. So 10 in the yes, morning is yes. you know, evening evening in Europe, like 6 o'clock in the, in the evening. And 3 o'clock in the afternoon here in the U.S. is usually, you know, 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning in Australia. Yes. In the Zealand area. So you make it work. So yeah. if you, but if for any reason you're in some weird time zone and you can't find a time, just email me and we'll work it out. We'll find a time that works for both of us. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. I can't wait to check out your book, Med School After Menopause, The Journey of My Soul, and also for the listeners as well, your podcast, Dr. Lottie, Science with Soul. Check it out. Thank you, Dr. Lottie. We appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing your experiences and, um, and your wisdom. Greatly appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me as a guest. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and follow me on our YouTube channel, One Body, One Life, to see more inspirational videos to help you reach optimal wellness and longevity. But until next time, don't forget, you've got to nourish to flourish.